Good morning. We have, we have an attorney in our church. He's part of the world's smallest minority group. He is a saved Jewish street-preaching Baptist lawyer. Now, there can't be many of those. And he's always bringing me lawyer stories. So I hope this... this, this I like this. Said a United Way worker... United Way realized it had never received a donation from the city's most successful lawyer. So, a United Way worker paid the lawyer a visit into his vast, lavish office. The United Way guy opened the meeting by saying, Our research shows that even though your annual income is several million dollars, you don't give a penny to charity. Wouldn't you like to give something back to your community through the United Way? The lawyer thought for a minute and said, First... Did your research also show you that my mother is dying after a long, painful illness and she has huge medical bills that are far beyond her ability to pay? Embarrassed, the United Way rep mumbled, "Uh, No, I didn't know that. Secondly, said the lawyer, Did it show that my brother, a disabled veteran, is blind and confined to a wheelchair and is unable to support his wife and six children? Stricken, the United Way rep began to stammer an apology, but he was cut off again. Third, Did your research also show that my sister's husband died in a dreadful car accident, leaving her penniless with a mortgage and three children, one of whom is disabled and another that has learning disabilities requiring an array of private tutors? The humiliated United Way rep completely beaten said, I'm sorry, I had no idea. And so the lawyer said, so, if I don't give any money to them, what makes you think I'd give any to you? So. <laughs> All right, let's turn to let's turn to Luke chapter number twenty-four. <laughs> Luke chapter number twenty-four. I don't know if that's a true story or not. It might be. Luke twenty-four. You know, a lot of people today. I hate to say it because many of you you might be new Christians and you young in the Lord and you're all excited and fired up and I hope you are and I hope you will be as as long as you absolutely can. But there are a lot of people this morning that are, are disappointed, they're discouraged, they're dropping out. Good churches are losing people almost every single day. And, and I want to show you something from the 24th chapter of Luke this morning that, that maybe be a help to you. I want to show you why we get discouraged and why we get disillusioned and why we are sometimes less than satisfied with God. And, and there's a simple reason for it, but it's a common reason. And it's, it's one that we're not even aware of. It happens in our lives over and over again, and we're not even, we don't even know that it's happening. And I hope God will show us some truth this morning to help our hearts from Luke 24. The Bible says in verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. 
It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter, and man with the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now, that's the background. And if you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never been saved, you must believe that in order to go to heaven. That Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose from the dead. You must believe that. And, and you say, well, that's easy anybody to believe that. These men and women had spent upwards of three and one half years observing his miracles, hearing him teach, seeing all the wonders that he performed. And again and again and again, he told them he would die, he would be buried, he would rise again. And apparently not a one of them believed it. Wouldn't you think on the morning of Jesus' resurrection, they'd be standing outside the tomb with, with banners and flowers and, and pom-poms and ready to cheer and rejoice when Jesus rose from the dead? And yet they're all sitting about at, at, back at the house, all gloomy and sad and down in the dumps. The ones that came to the tomb, they didn't come to celebrate the resurrection. They came to make sure the body was was properly cared for as it decayed and as it corrupted. None of them were anticipating Jesus rising from the dead. When the angel said he's risen, they they remembered his words, but they didn't believe his words. What an amazing thing. Now look at verse number 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them, that's two of the disciples that heard Jesus teach and that heard the report he was risen from the dead, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these, that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? Okay, let's start into the message this morning. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is present in the midst of two disciples as they have fellowship one with another. They are walking down the road telling one another sad stories. They are walking down the road with poochy lips and pouty faces and sad hearts. And in their very company is the risen Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, may I say to you this morning, you, it might not be you today. It might be you next week. And it might not be you next week. It might have been you last week. But did you know that it's possible? To not only be fully aware that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, but to be in fellowship with other disciples and to have the Lord himself present with you and still be sad and discouraged and depressed and down in the dumps and not one of these guys had a word to say to the other one that could bring any cheer or any happiness to the circumstances on the greatest day in the history of the world. Come on, this is not an average Sunday morning. This is resurrection morning. 
This is not just another routine day at Grace Baptist and maybe it's going to be good, maybe it's not. Breakfast was a little so-so. Sometimes breakfast better than I can't wait to get to lunch and I hope I can get to yard. At 4.30, come on, don't we come here enough? Now you want us back at 4.30. Anyway, well, look, I'm, I'm just telling you, you can be in the right place with the right information, with the right people, and the Lord Himself be in the midst and be completely void of joy and happiness and enthusiasm and hope and expectation. That's not a knock on these guys. It's a helpful reality. It doesn't matter how good things are, they can all pass me by. It doesn't matter how great the situation is, I can miss it. Everybody see that? Well, we're all together so far? Okay, now, look what the Bible says, verse 17, or 18, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Now, that might be the funniest question anybody ever asked. This man turns to Jesus and said, have you not heard what happened in town? Now, here, this might be the funniest answer that's ever been given. Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? <laughs> Jesus says to these two men, uh, fill me in. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> now, you say, well, maybe he's just joking with them, maybe just pulling their leg. Oh, no, wait a minute. You're the son of God. You told them for three and a half years you were going to rise from the dead. Correct? You have just conquered sin, death, hell, the grave. You have just been responsible for the veil of the temple being rent from top to bottom. You have just shed your blood to establish a new covenant, a new testament between God and man. And here are two people who have followed you for years and, 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 and the Lord, he, he said, I must have missed something because there's no reason for you to be sad. There must be some information I'm not privy to because you're frowning today? This is the day of the greatest victory in the history of victories. And so he said, well, why don't you tell me what the problem is, fellas? Fill me in. Verse 19, he said to them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief rulers, our chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Okay, that's the information. Now you ready? You ready? Here's the lesson. It's not a long lesson. You ready? But we trusted. Look at that ED. We did, but we don't. We trusted, watch carefully, that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Okay, listen carefully, brother. I'm a, if not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, six months from now. This will help you if you'll get this. You know what their problem was? They thought Jesus was going to do what they wanted him to do. They didn't believe he was going to do what he said. Well, he should have redeemed Israel. Who asked you guys what Jesus should have done? That's 
Well, we thought he was going to set up a kingdom. Well, you must have thought it. I didn't say it. Jesus, how many times? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Bible says if the whole world, the whole world couldn't contain the books that were written. If we wrote down everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, we wouldn't have room to store it on earth. So how many times must he have told them, I am going to Jerusalem. I am going to be betrayed. I am going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. I am going to die upon a cross. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him and said, not so, Lord. Why? Because that wasn't what they wanted him to do. You can't do that. I don't like it. Here's what you're going to do. And Jesus would say to one of his beloved disciples, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savorest the things of men, not the things of God. Now listen carefully. Please, please. God might heal your loved one, and he might not. He didn't say he would. God might save your relatives, and he might not. He didn't say he would. God might cause your church to grow and he might not. He didn't say he would. Our problem is we want God to do something. We ask God to do something. We expect God to do something. And then God does something else and we're sad. Oh, Jesus is risen from the dead, but we're not happy. Oh, the Lord is right in our midst, but we're not satisfied. We have, we're still in fellowship with each other, but it's not rejoicing. It's grumbling and murmuring and complaining and doubting because, well, I just thought. Come on now. Let's be honest. At some time or another in most of our lives, God has not met our expectations. And our heart has grown discouraged and our shoulders have slumped and our hands have hung down and our knees have become feeble. And you're going to be there Sunday? Yeah, I'll be there Sunday. Everything okay? Yeah, it's okay. Well, brother, you know, I've been missing your prayer meeting. Yeah, 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 prayer meeting. Yeah, I'm going to go pray and make requests and God's going to ignore them. I'm just telling you, it was never any better than it was this morning. The tomb is empty, Satan is defeated, sin's hold upon the race is broken, the risen Son of God is walking down the road, chatting and fellowshipping with two of his disciples, and they are sad and they are miserable because they thought it was going to go one way, when in reality it went another way. Now you're one of the great scourges upon the, the American people, is what's going on on Christian TV and radio today. That's right. Because people are being presented a God who doesn't exist. They're being encouraged to name and claim things they're not entitled to. They're being offered half verses out of context that don't have any meaning whatsoever once they've been twisted and perverted into God promised you prosperity and God promised you healing and God's your bellhop and you snap your fingers and you're going to jump. And so you've got a whole nation full of people who are disappointed with God, who don't trust God because he didn't do what they thought he was going to do. Well, he did exactly what he said he would do. 
They just didn't listen to what he said. They acted upon what they, what they hoped. Now, can I say something? I, I'm going to say something. I always ask because it's polite to ask, but then I go ahead and say it anyway. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say this. And this is not political. Please, this is not political. This is not a political statement. But six years ago, you had people all over this country chanting, Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And none of them stopped to say, Yes, we can what? They didn't have to. They just thought that whatever they wanted to be done was going to be done if they pulled the right lever. Once or twice or three times or as many times as they could. They just... What does yes we can mean? It means whatever you want it to mean. The next campaign will be, will be a better tomorrow. Well, better than what? I got a job. I'm in good health. I got a refrigerator. I got a deep freeze. I got a stove. I got an oven. I got a microwave. And I'm going out to eat. (laughs) How do you... You know how you win a campaign in America? You convince people who are living better than anybody's ever lived in the history of the world that their lives are rotten. Hey, I can change all this for you. What? Really? What are you going to change? You're going to take away my heat in the winter? What are you going to change? I got shoes on my feet, man. I got clothes on my back. What exactly are you going to change? But see, people, they, they don't hear what you say. They hear what they feel or they hear what they think. And then they're disappointed because it didn't meet their expectations. And I'm telling you, you can come to a Bible teaching church. And instead of listening carefully to the Word of God, you can filter that through your desires and filter that through your wants and filter that through your expectations. And by the time it gets to your heart, it's not at all what God said. But we're all right. Then you got that other political party. They want to bring back the good old days. I like indoor plumbing. In the good old days, we need milk. I'd rather I'd rather go a block out of my way and get a gallon of milk and a pack of butter than go out in the field and chase a cow down, <laughs> squeeze the milk out and churn it for an hour, two hours, three. I don't. How long do you churn it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it was healthier back then. Yeah, I know. And you died at fifty-five. <laughs> Healthy. I've been eating formaldehyde since I was three years old, man. I'm going to live a long time. (laughs) All those preservatives in that food got to do something for you. Anyway, what's their problem? They don't see the Lord. They don't see the empty tomb. They don't see the triumph of the crucified over man's great enemies. Why? They were looking for a kingdom. And looking... Over here, when God was doing something over there, left them sad and disappointed. Now watch this. The Bible says in verse number 23, or 22, Yea, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, 
And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Now look at the descriptive word they used for the report that he was alive. We were astonished. Why were you astonished? How many times had he told them he was going to rise on the third day? They were astonished. You know how many times he told them he was going to overthrow the Roman government? Zero. You know how many times he told them he was going to get Herod off their backs? Zero. You know how many times he told them the scribes and Pharisees were going to be out of business in about, in about six more months, fellas? Zero. And every time he said, I'm going to die and rise from the dead, somehow they heard him say, he's going to overthrow the Romans and he's going to overthrow the scribes and Pharisees and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. How do you get that out of what he said? Anybody here got teenagers? Have you not ever asked that question? How did you get that out of what I said? Why? We hear what we hope for. We hear what we long for. We don't hear what's actually spoken. Now, at our house, our, our children are grown now, and uh, I love them, and I'd lay down my life for them. And uh, people, a lot of people, they, they really grieve over that empty nest. Um, it's peaceful. <laughs> it's relaxing. Add years to your life. Anyway. Here's how, here's how my son particularly, this is how he was. If, I'd say, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to take that garbage out. And on your way back, I want you to grab that rake. And I want you to clean up that mess right there in front of the house. And he'd come back in the house and I'd say, how come you didn't do what I said? Dan, I took the garbage can down there like you said. You can't say three things in one instruction. Because the first one, the good obedient son begins to work on number one and never hears number two and there wasn't a number three. <laughs> and so he comes back in. He says, well, I, th I thought you said, see? How come you didn't? I didn't know you said that. See how it is? And so I'm telling you, we come to church and we, we fade in and out. And, you know, did I leave the water running? Did I unplug the iron? Uh, is he going to preach so long? I'm going to be last in line at the buffet and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and we kind of fade in and out. We hear bits and pieces of a sermon. And we think God's going to do something. And then he doesn't. And then we're disappointed. And we're sitting right there in church, sad and unhappy with the Lord. Bible says in verse number 25, Then he said unto them, And, and here, the Lord's going to comfort their hearts. They're sad, they're discouraged, they're disillusioned. And, and so sweet Jesus said unto them, O fools, <laughs> modern version says you bunch of idiots. <laughs> then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? See what he said? He didn't rebuke them for their sadness. He didn't rebuke them for their emotion. He did. You know what he said? Your problem is you don't believe the scriptures. Amen. Your faith is in God, but, but it's in what you want God to do for you. It's not in the scriptures. 
It's in what you hope God might accomplish in your life. It's not in the scriptures. Come on, now this is important. Really, it may not be profound, but it's important. Hear, hear what I'm saying. My, my wife, uh, she leads uh, several teams from our church, and we get to go into the, to the elementary schools, the public elementary schools, and teach the Bible for, for an hour and a half once a week. Isn't that a blessing? 200, 250 little boys and girls sitting there learning, learning about Jesus, memorizing Bible verses, and, and here's, here's how it goes. They'll, te- they'll sing some songs, they'll do a memory verse, they'll teach a Bible lesson, and then my wife or one of the workers will say, now, if you want to talk to somebody about being saved, we're going to sing some more songs, we're going to have a review game, but you can go out with a counselor and talk to them about getting saved if you'd like to be saved. Now, you know what they've told them? They've told them about Jesus dying for their sins. They've told them about Jesus rising from the dead. They've told them about how they can have everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. And those boys and girls go out, and they talk to that counselor, and the counselor says, Would you like to be saved? And that little girl will say, If I pray to Jesus, will my daddy get out of prison? If I pray to Jesus, will my mommy quit doing drugs? If I pray to Jesus, will we have food in our house? Now listen, I have not one critical word to say to those boys and girls what horrible lives so many of them live. But understand what I'm saying. They didn't hear the gospel message. They heard what they hoped for. If I come to God, will He fix my life? If I come to God, will He take my problems away? You know something? You could get every one of those kids to pray a prayer. And you could come back to church and say, hallelujah, we had eight kids saved today. You didn't have eight kids saved today. You had eight kids reach out in a direction of a God for some hope they don't have. You know what I'm saying? You know what happens? Adults come to our churches. God, can you save my marriage? God, can you get me a job? God, can you please not let it be cancer? And when they get the divorce and they lose the job and they get the bad report from the doctor, they say, I tried God. It didn't work. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? We have got to get in the Bible and find out what the Bible says, not go in the Bible and look for something we're hoping for. We okay with that? Because God's not going to do what you think He's going to do. He's going to do what He said. And he's not going to do what you hope he's going to do. He's going to do what he said. And so what i got to do is get my thinking and my hopes lined up with the Word of God so I don't foolishly miss an opportunity to have personal, intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ and I miss it because I'm mad at him. What's the matter, fellas? Well, it's Jesus, fellow. I mean, we wanted a kingdom and he went and rose from the dead. I'm not getting your what your problem there. What's what's I mean, what's what's well? You know the Romans. I mean, you know, they, I mean they've been running us for years. We wanted him to kick us out, kick him out, and, and let our political party come to power. And instead, he's wanting to give us eternal life. <laughs> Think about it. You go home tonight and you find that religious channel. You know what that guy's doing? He's standing there, stand on that TV, telling a bunch of people who are on their way to hell. That if they'll send him money, they can get richer. 
If it was true, it's a ripoff. So I get richer and I die and go to hell with more money for my kids to fight over. Well, there's perfect healing in the atonement. If you put your hand on the TV screen, I'll, I'll heal you of your... Yeah, and then I die and go to hell well. You, you understand what we're saying? If what they were preaching is true, it's still not good enough. Jesus Christ offers everlasting life through the gospel of His death, burial, and resurrection, and we're offering Americans prosperity like they don't have any. You're watching a guy on a $400 TV set with a remote in your hand in a recliner telling you he can get you prosperity if you send him some money. Think about that. You do know, you do know that, that there's not a person here 40 years old who isn't living better than their grandparents were when they were 40. You do know that Nebuchadnezzar, when he ruled the world, didn't have what you have. Anybody here got air conditioning? Julius Caesar didn't have air conditioning. Got running water? Alexander the Great didn't have running water. You're doing pretty good. All right, let's go on. Don't want to make you unhappy here. Verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And, as they, and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. The Lord's moving on. And they urge him to stop. And he comes inside. They came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him. How about that? Suppose, now I'm not saying this is how it happened, but they're sitting at the table and there's a loaf of bread and the Lord takes that bread and he's got a piece in his hand and he reaches it out to that man and that man takes the bread out of his hand and what does he see? There's a nail print in that hand. And he looks. He looks with wonder. He looks back at Jesus. He looks at his friend. He looks back at that hand and then he's gone. The Bible said, and he vanished out of their sight. Wow. Wow. And they said one to another. Look at the next verse. They said one to another. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. Now, now look what I, I am. I'm going to say this carefully as I can. They missed the greatest opportunity anybody ever had to enjoy a Bible study. I'm not saying it wasn't an amazing thing to walk down that road for who knows how many hours and listen to a man start in Genesis and say, you know something, that Abel there. <laughs> that sure is a picture of a good shepherd dying at the hands of a religious crowd that thought they could get to God any old way. 
You know, it seems to me that the only thing God would accept was the blood of a lamb. Look over here at Noah. You see that ark? All those people thought they didn't have to obey the word of God and get in that ark, but every one of them died that didn't. And, and those that took the way of safety, those who believed the word of God, they survived. They lived. How about you, fellas? Doesn't that, doesn't sound, and, and he just he started going through the whole Bible and pointing out about salvation through, by grace, through faith. And what a Bible study that had to have been. But what they didn't realize is who it was that was teaching that Bible study. Now hear me. I'm not saying you pastors Jesus. I'm not saying you Sunday school teachers Jesus. What I'm saying is how many times do we come to church and we hear the lesson and we take some notes and we say that was good, that was bad, but we never behold the Lord. We're at church, but we're not in fellowship with Christ. We're hearing His words, but we're not experiencing His presence. It's not charismatic. It's not mystical. It's not touchy-feeling. Here's what I'm saying. You can sit right here and say, okay, Luke 24, yeah, I never saw that before. Luke 24, yeah, I've heard that before. Luke 24, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's kind of interesting. Luke 24, well, that, that's a neat point. Do you understand that the one who created the heavens and the earth, that the one who died upon the cross to pay for your sins, that the one who rose from the dead that you might have everlasting life, do you understand that he promised to be in the midst of his people when he gathered together? If it's just church, it's just church. But if it's a place where we, we have fellowship with the Lord, that's got to change things, doesn't it? It's got to be different. And how many times do we go through the motion? We're not, we're not Roman Catholic. We're independent Baptists. They do ceremony. We do Bible. But for both of us, it's a ritual. If you're not careful, this is just a lifeless routine of what you do and you evaluate whether you liked the song or didn't like the song or was the sermon a, a nine or a seven or a four. And, and one day we, our eyes are open and we say, man, all those times, Jesus was right there. And because I had my own agenda and my own expectations, I missed fellowshipping with the Lord. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So this morning... I want to challenge you to search your heart, search your thoughts, examine your life, and ask yourself, do I come to God so that He can meet my desires and satisfy my expectations? Or do I come to God to fellowship with Him in accord with His scriptures? And if your expectations are unscriptural, God will disappoint you because he doesn't exist to satisfy 
your desires. Well, how's that? He is going to do what he said he was going to do. He spelled it all out in his word. He wants us to search the scriptures and believe the scriptures and rejoice in what he has done, not be sad because he didn't do what we thought he was going to do. Now, I'll give you my testimony and then we'll pray together. Before I got saved, I was sort of the ringleader. And if I said to my friends, let's go do something, we all jumped in the car and went and did it. If I said to my friends, let's try this, they all tried it. And I thought, when I got saved, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to go tell all my friends about Jesus and they're all going to get saved. And instead of running out in the world together, now we're going to run for the Lord together. And they didn't get saved. And I was really, really disillusioned because I thought God was going to save my friends. Then I read... Acts 16, 31. I don't know if I read it or I heard it preached, but it was in there. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Well, so my brother's going to get saved, and my sisters are going to get saved, and all my cousins are going to get saved, my mom and dad are... Man, this is great. And then they didn't get saved. And again, I was... I had my problems with God because he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. And then, you know, you hear your first sermon or two on prayer and the guy gives you 30 illustrations of how he prayed a prayer and God answered it right on the spot and came through right to the letter and somebody gives you, hey, son, read this book. It's a great book. And you read John R. Rice, prayer asking and receiving and he asked for a locomotive train and he got a 30-car train and he asked for a, you know. <laughs> but those are great books until you start praying. And what they don't tell you when they write those books is the guy's been in the ministry 50 years and he wrote about 20 answered, to prayer, answered prayers that really made an impression upon his life and he didn't tell you about the 4,572 prayers that never got answered. Because who wants to read that book? <laughs> and so I'd pray and nothing had happened. I'd pray again and nothing had happened. I'd name it, claim it, nothing had happened. I'd fast for a couple of days. That's about all I ever made. And, <laughs> and nothing would ever happen. I thought, well, this prayer thing doesn't work. I'm just, look, I'm just being honest with you. There were many things I thought God was going to do because I wanted Him to or because I heard a sermon preached about it and He didn't do it. Then I got in the ministry. And, and you go to preacher's meetings. And the preacher get up. I mean, you, you can't hear five sermons at a preacher's meeting in 1980s without somebody turning to the book of Numbers. Bless God, Korah. He rebelled against Moses, the pastor, and God opened the earth and swallowed him up. And you rebels better watch out. Our church has been, been split three times. We still got the same floor in the church. It hadn't opened once. But it might. <laughs> Not only do those guys not drop straight into hell, they get promotions on the job and all kinds of stuff. We had kids. We bought the books. Do these five things and your kids will be spiritual giants like mine. Well, whoever their kids were, they weren't in my book that I bought. We did those five things and then tried five other things and five other things and our kids are saved and they're living right but they ain't spiritual giants. God, where are you? 
God, how come you didn't do for my kids what you did for their kids? God, how come you didn't do for our church what you did? I'm just telling you. We want God to do things that he didn't say he was going to do. And when he doesn't do what we wanted him to do, we're sad. And you know what Jesus did with those guys? He said, hey, fellas, look in here. This is what I said I was going to do, and I did it. This is what I promised, and I kept my promise. This is, this is the statement I made, and I fulfilled it to the letter. Come on, guys. I haven't cheated you. I haven't disappointed you. I kept my word. Now, let's have lunch. See? It is possible to know the tomb is empty, to know the Lord is risen, to be in fellowship with other disciples, and to have Jesus in the midst and be sad because we trusted that it had been he which would have done X, Y, and Z. Can I ask you this morning to abandon your wish list and fill your heart and mind with the promises of God and rejoice in what he has done and rejoice in what he is going to do instead of being down in the dumps because he didn't meet your expectations. Is that fair enough? We're going to lose loved ones to the grave. We're going to lose church members to the world. Some of our children are going to go astray. It's going to break our heart. It's going to, it's going to tear us all to pieces. God will not be the guilty party. It didn't go the way we hoped, but it'll go the way he said. Amen. Let's pray. Father, deliver me from my imagination. Forgive me for trying to force you to serve me and obey me. Lord, I pray you'd help the young people here this morning to have a right and proper understanding of who you are and what you want from their lives. Lord, would you never let us be discouraged with you because we misrepresented you to ourselves. Help us, Father, to enjoy your presence rather than being sad while you walk right beside us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.